This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time. We may have those of you who are watching today for the first time. We are delighted that you have tuned in to watch Getting to Know Your Bible. And of course, we appreciate those who watch every time that we're on there. Please tell someone else about Getting to Know Your Bible. Now today on our telecast, we're going to be discussing this subject, love's concerns. What is it that love is concerned about? We hope that you'll stay tuned. Now today, we're continuing to offer the free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to emphasize as, as strongly as I know how, this is free. It's free. We're not going to send you a bill. We're not going to ask for any money. We don't want to get your credit card number or anything of the sort because this is free. As a matter of fact, anything that we offer on getting to know your Bible is free. Now, uh, we want you to join in with thousands of other people all over the world who are studying the Bible through the, the, world, the world Bible School Bible Correspondence Course. We hope that you will call for it today. Now that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'd like to read now from the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away 
childish things. But now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. But now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Love is central to Christianity. If we are Christians, it is impossible not to love. There is no way that you can allow the gospel to influence your life and not love. It was love that motivated God to send his son. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So love is central to Christianity. Then love has its characteristics. Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love uh, is vaunteth not itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave itself unseemly. It does not seek its own. It's not easily provoked. It does not think evil. It rejoices not in, in, in iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things, and love never fails. Those are characteristics of love. But then there are love's companions. Now by the faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And then there is love's consistency. The Bible says God is love. And it is impossible for God to be inconsistent. God is always consistent. And then there are love's concerns. I find it interesting that the church with the greatest number of problems within is the church to whom a letter was written that contained an entire chapter on the subject of love. You see, it is love that settles tensions and difficulties. But there is the danger of letting love slip. And often we let it slip. And if love slips, if love goes, nothing else matters. Yes, indeed, love has its concerns. We want to note several things from the book of 1 Corinthians that deal with the subject of love under the theme, love's concerns. For example, love is concerned about the cross of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 1, 17 and 18, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of non-effect. But for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, 
but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You see, love must permeate the church. It is at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ that we appreciate what love really is. When we see hatred, tension, and strife, friends, love is gone. We need to go back to the cross. We need to get back to the cross of Christ for it was love that carried Jesus there. So love is concerned about the cross of Christ. But love is also concerned about unity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 10, Paul wrote, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the household of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? You see, love is concerned about the unity of the, of the body of Christ. And it is love that brings unity. When Jesus went to the cross, Jesus died on the cross to make unity possible. For example, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And it is by the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary that men can be one in Christ. And it is Jesus Christ that makes unity possible. In John 12 and verse 32, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. So, so the love is concerned about unity. All men being drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ in one body. And that is that body for which our Lord died on the cross of Calvary. But again, love is concerned about God's glory. Going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you're in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according the, as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Love is concerned about God's glory. Love puts man in the background. And love does not usurp the glory that belongs to God. You see, it is all about God, it is nothing about man. 
In Matthew 5 and 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. All of the things that we do is not for man's glorification, but it is for God's glorification. So love is concerned about God's glory. But love is also concerned about what motivates one to become a Christian. What is it that motivates people to give their lives to Christ? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1 beginning, Paul wrote, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You see, men are not to become Christians because they have been motivated by eloquence, because they have been motivated by, by wisdom, the wisdom of man. We ought to become Christians because we love God and we love Jesus and because we hate sin and we want to get out of the willful sinning business. See, love is concerned about what motivates one to become a Christian. But love is also concerned about the lack of growth as a Christian. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul wrote in verse 1 beginning, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither are you... Uh, now are you able, for you are yet carnal. For where is there is among you envying and strife and divisions? Are you not carnal and walk as men? You see, love is concerned about the lack of spiritual maturity. Sometimes I think when we have Bible classes, that maybe we just have Bible classes because you're just supposed to have Bible classes. But we ought to have them because we are hungry. We, we, we ought to have Bible classes and, and we ought to study the Bible because we are hungering and thirsting for the Word of God. It's not the fault of the Bible that we're not growing spiritually, that we have this lack of maturity. It is our lack of concern for growth. But love is concerned about the lack of growth and maturity. But love is also concerned about the purity of the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul wrote in verse 1, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not uh, so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And you are puffed up, and if not rather mourned, but that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. These brethren had forgotten what they should have remembered, and they had over 
looked sin in the church. It was a very scandalous thing. A man was living with his father's wife. And rather than rebuking this man, and rather than doing something to keep the church pure, they were puffed up. And they had not mourned over the sin of this man. Love never overlooks sin. Never. Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. You see, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was filled with God's glory. But God would not stay in the midst of the people when there was sin. And God will not stay in our midst today if there is sin. This is the reason he told the church at Corinth in verse 7, to purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as your unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. They were told to deliver this individual unto Satan, this is verse 5, for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So love is concerned about keeping the church pure. But love is also concerned about brethren getting along. In chapter 6 and in verse 1, listen to what Paul writes. Dare any of you having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Paul is telling these brethren that when they have differences between them, they ought to settle those differences before spiritually minded brethren. Differences ought to be settled without dividing the church. And differences ought to be settled within the framework of the body of Christ. And not to air the differences they had before the heathen courts of the land. But as we turn to the seventh chapter, we learn that love is concerned about marriage and divorce. Now, the church cannot exist without a strong home life. And the home today needs stabilizing. And unless the home is stable, then we're headed for trouble. Paul mentions several areas of concern in this chapter. In the first five verses, he mentions the mutual obligations that a husband and wife have one toward another. In verse 3, he said, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise the wife unto the husband. That's verse 3. And they're not to defraud one another in that regard. Then in verse 8, in verse 9, he said, I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I am. They, if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it's better to marry than to burn. I said that to burn with lust. So it'd be better to marry. And then he has some advice to those that are married. And he says, uh, he said, if you're married, I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. But if she depart, let her remain unmarried and be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. And then when there was a person left behind through the death of a spouse, he has advice along that line. And he suggests that, uh, the, that uh, the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will 
only in the Lord. And so that had to do with remarriage, only in the Lord. But love is concerned about those who are weak in the faith. In chapter 8 and in verse number 9, Paul says, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. There were those who were taking uh, uh, animals that had been sacrificed to, to uh, false gods, and they would sell that meat in the marketplace, and brethren would buy that meat and eat it. There wasn't anything wrong with doing that. They were, they were free to do that. But that might be a stumbling block to someone else. That might be a hindrance to one that was weak in the faith. You had the liberty to do it. But Paul said sometimes you have to forego your liberty because there are those that are weak. And we ought to be concerned about that. We have to realize that people do have weaknesses. And an indifferent attitude toward those that are weak shows a lack of love. So love is concerned about the weak. But when we turn over to chapter 10, we learn that love is concerned about backsliding. Look at verse number 12. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. It is possible for us to fall, even fall from grace, Galatians 5, 4. When brethren slip, when they fall, love will not let them go. We ought to be concerned about those who have become wayward, those who have backslidden. In Galatians 6 and 1, the Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. But let us also observe in chapter 14 that love is concerned about the assembly. As a matter of fact, the 14th chapter deals with the subject of the assembly and things that were going on in the assembly. But I want you to look at the very last verse of this chapter, verse 40. And this is to regulate when the church comes together. It's to regulate the worship when the church comes together. Let all things be done decently and in order. This has reference to when the church comes together. Verse 23 says, If therefore the whole church be come together in one place. Verse 26, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, let all things be done unto edifying. Worship should be orderly. He said, Let all things be done decently and in order. And what Paul was dealing with in chapter 14 was the fact that they might have two or three different things going on at the same time in the worship service. And as an elderly preacher once said, it might have sounded like a bunch of frogs in a mill pond. Worship should be orderly. When love exists, we are concerned about the assembly. And also, when love exists, we're not going to neglect the assembly, as the manner of some is, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. But in chapter 15, we learn that love is concerned with doctrine. Look at, at verse number 12 in chapter 15. 
And there Paul says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you there is no resurrection of the dead? There were those that were teaching there was no resurrection. But love will not let modernism or liberalism undermine the church's soundness. We're to earnestly contend for the faith, Jude 3. We're to be set for the defense of the gospel, Philippians 1.17. And we are to preach the word. We're to be instant in season and out of season to reprove and to rebuke and to exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Love is concerned about the truth being taught. But then in chapter 16, we learn that love is concerned with liberality. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in stores. God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. This is talking about the collection upon the first day of the week. And we are to lay by in store. Literally, that means to put it into the treasury. And we do it as we have been prospered. And it is upon the first day of the week that Christians give to support the work of the Lord. And the Lord will bless us when we give. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosoms. But then finally, in chapter 16 and verse 14, love is concerned with all things. Let all your things be done with charity. Love covers a multitude of sins. And may we be concerned about loving the Bible way, loving God's way. These are love's concerns. But love is concerned about being a Christian. You see, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And Jesus has commanded we were to believe in him. In John 8, 24. Jesus has commanded in Luke 13, 3 that we repent of our sins. Jesus has commanded in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, that we are to confess him before men. And Jesus has commanded that we are to be baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Love is concerned about doing what Jesus said. Would I, I'd encourage you to do that today. Uh, I want to take the final moments to encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And you'll find people who are trying to, with all, to the best of their ability, to love God and to love their fellow man to love the Bible, to love the truth. And also right now, I want you to pick up the telephone and call the number that you've seen on the screen for the Bible Correspondence Course. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36529.
1-877-711-5280 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>